You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Hey, there it is. That's the music. That means it's time for Animal Talk. It is America's Pet Show, helping you with your pet. Some of the best doggone pet people on the planet, like Brian Donovan. He's our animal behaviorist and dog trainer. Dr. Yvonne, she pops in now and again, helps us with some medical questions. My name is Jamie Flanagan. Just want to make sure everybody has a good time. Uh, today, it's like uh, Matt Fox is with us again. <laughs> hey! Speaking of uh, animal, uh, animal-themed guests. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> Still. <laughs> and... Oh, I can't wait. Here we go. Sam is here. Yay! Sam Dork! Sam Dork. I'm here! Sam Dork! Yay, yay. Did you launch the Facebook video, too? Yes, I did. Facebook cool. video has been launched. Yep. The Facebook that launched a thousand ships. <laughs> Sam Dork. <laughs> Next! <laughs> but uh, we're sans Brian Donovan today. Oh, yeah. He's in the hospital. Wait, what? He's in the hospital. Yeah, so he's got he's some feeling sort kind of, of poopy. Uh, he's yeah, he's got some sort of intestinal thing going on. It's probably because and he went to Costa Rica. Yeah, probably. Right, so there he is in a hospital bed. No. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor little fella, getting some. Uh, getting he's been some in there fluids. since Tuesday. No way! Yeah, way. So he said what it was, oh. and I looked it up, and it's like. I don't know. Poor guy. So, intestinal shenanigans. So, I, I told him we'd send the naughty anesthetist over. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> See how it all... You got you to gotta listen to him in sequence, because otherwise you miss all the, all the jokes. But, uh, oh, man. yeah. But coming up on today's show, we have uh, a couple of guests. Uh, and uh, we, we've set up a, a couple of callers. They're, they're going to get a hold of us. Coming up at, uh, in the second half of the show, Lucy Cook. Hmm. Lucy Cook is going to give us a call, and she is uh, an author. Uh, she's an award-winning filmmaker, and uh, she's uh, done a bunch of stuff. Her first book, Little Book of Sloth, uh-huh. was on the New York Times bestseller list. And we're talking about The Truth About Animals this time around, though. This is her latest book, The Truth About Animals. So Lucy Cook coming up in the second half of the hour, and uh, in the first half of the hour, very shortly, soon, uh, we'll be talking... To uh, Laura, who is a pet sitter, a dog walker in uh, in L.A. Really? So, yeah, we'll Aww. be talking. She's a professional dog sitter, uh, dog yes, walker? Yes, she sits on dogs. She She'll be calling us, and then in the second half of the hour, uh, we'll be calling uh, our second guest. So, huh. uh, Yeah, so Laura, Laura will be chiming in there, theoretically. Any time now. Excellent. Any, any time now. But uh, before we get into so get, that. Get ready, Sam. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hit, hit the right button, Sam. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, yeah, so it's a fun day. Uh, in spite of our boy Brian being uh, all laid up, we're just uh, thoughts and prayers to, to him. And I'm sure I, I said, you know, hey, I, you know, Sam's got a little nurse outfit. We can send her over and take care of you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you do, right? No, you don't have a nurse's no. outfit. Oh, you need a little right. screeching sound right there. <laughs> all right. So, no, I told him I would bring him whatever he needed. And he mentioned something about a sponge bath. And I said, okay. Hey, so I'll, I got the rest of my night planned out. Hey, you know what? I, I can dress up for him. And I can surprise the heck out of him. Love you, Brian. That's it. <laughs> oh, but uh, look, looking at the news right before we have our guest on. Oh, murder most foul. 
Same. Play on words. Yeah. Uh, the oh. Oxford the Oxford dodo was actually shot in the back of the head. There is uh, the dodo bird, right, yeah. went extinct. Uh, but it's quite recent history as to when the dodo went extinct. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have this example of it at uh, the Oxford University. Really? A- and and uh, they thought it was brought – to the to the states, they thought it was, and they, they thought it was put on display. But it turns out that uh, nope, no, uh, it was probably brought over dead because there's uh, they did a CT scan on it, oh, and there's geez. there's pellets in the bird's head. So it was it, uh, the dodos played a part in World War and in the, in the Civil War. Actually, it was done long time in, ago. really, yeah, long time ago. They had actually had a part in the Civil War. Huh. I can't remember what part it was. I just oh. remember seeing something at a Civil War reenactment where they used a dodo. They used a dodo. All right. <laughs> So, but uh, the, the, they thought the birds um, were eaten into oblivion, right, as man uh, made their way onto the islands there in the Indian Ocean. But right. uh, it actually turns out more likely that uh, it was rats and the monkeys and the goats and other animals that arrived with the sailors, uh, predation from, from those. That was really – man had a good chunk to do with it, but yeah. uh, the predation from those other animals uh, is what did in the dodo. But the Oxford dodo came into the city in uh, 1683. Three, as part of a collection from Elias uh, Ashmole. <laughs> Careful how you say that. A S H M O L E. Ashmole. He was a wealthy government official, so that kind of does make him an Ashmole. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and uh, but uh, yeah, so they they tra- they charged people to come see the this dodo. Stiff, but they were surprised. Then there's a picture of the that is a dead dodo head. That's there. a dead bird. Yeah, so it was it was the rats. It was it was the, the rats the, and the monkeys and the, and the goats. That's hmm. what they were. That's what they were thinking. It was hmm. very interesting. Any of you done any acting? Mm, mm, you dirty rat! You come in here and you ask if we've ever you dirty rat if we've ever done any acting. Why you dirty? But that's not too bad, is it? You dirty rat. Snitch, stool pigeon, informer, squealer, you dirty rat. I already said you dirty rat. Yeah, but I say it better. There you go. So the <laughs> the dirty rats doing in the dodos. Uh, do you know where those those are two different scenes? One's a TV show, one was a movie. Did you get did you get the yeah, voices? I, got, I I remember I remember seeing it because I'm older, you know, than Sam is. Yeah, just can't don't place ask it. me. Yeah, the I TV show was Alan Alda in Mash. Oh my the gosh! First one, yeah, okay. And the second one, um, that was a, that plays, was part of a movie, right? Plays banjo, part of a movie. The guy plays banjo, not in the movie, but he's a banjo player. Steve Martin. Steve Martin, yeah. My Blue Heaven. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, he plays yeah. banjo. And yes, very Steve well. Martin? Actually, very yeah, he's won like a couple Grammys for his banjo albums. Yeah. Oh. His folk Can and we banjo albums. I didn't say then that I knew that. Yeah, you're like a fan, <laughs> aren't you? Like Martin Short and Steve Martin. You, yeah, I mean, yeah, I like, like them. Those yeah, guys? Martin and Martin. Uh, but that's uh, the Jimmy Cagney's line, right? Uh, yes. He never actually you said dirty. that. J- uh, Jimmy Cagney never said "you dirty rat." No, he came close in the movie Taxi, 1932, and this is as close as he got. Where is he? You're too late. He's gone. He's gone, eh? Come out and take it, you dirty yellow-bellied rat! Or I'll give it to you through the door. <laughs> Please, Matt, listen to me, will you? Get away from that. Get away from me. I got you. Still give it to you, too. Get away from that door. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Dirty yellow, yellow belly. Dilly oh, yellow belly rat. Yeah. Uh, so. I think somebody's calling us. Oh, okay. Then answer it. Answer it. it. Sure. Boom. Not? All right. All right. And so make sure that other purple one is up there, the maroon fade. It's probably, that's probably it. And that would probably be our guest, Lucy Cook, chiming in. Lucy. Uh, Laura Vorey. Laura. From the Pet Sitter's Tale. 
Oh, I jumped. I jumped to the. I jumped a half hour, Lord. <laughs> we got to call Lucy. I, you're, it's. I'm in the right time frame, just the wrong half hour. Laura, the pet sitter in L, in front, calling from L.A. Sorry, Laura. We we got we got we have all kinds of fun lined up here today. Uh, I get it. That's awesome. Hey, that's that's very well. No problem. I'm all worth things. <laughs> and uh, all right. So, but yeah. Laura, she's an L.A. pet sitter. She's the author of The Pet Sitter's Tale, pioneering dog walking business in Hollywood for over 15 years. Uh, thanks for joining us on Animal Talk today. I'm really glad to be on, Jamie. Thanks for having me. So we wanted to talk to you a little about spring is in the air. And it's a time of year uh, people bring new pets into, into their home. Uh, and we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, introducing a, a new puppy into the house and uh, some of the important things to uh, to keep in mind as as we bring those new pets into the house. And uh, what what are some things as, as a pet sitter you see as a common problem when people try to bring a new pet into their home? Oh, that's a great question. Well, the first thing is a lot of people just go out, they fall in love with the dog, and they're like, oh, I'm bringing it home to surprise my whole family. It'll be great. And they don't really think that through because, you know, you're going to have supplies for the puppy. You're going to have reactions from the people in the house, and you're going to have to do a lot of work. It's not just all warm and cuddly after that initial, you know, meet and greet, and you're so happy and everyone's tail's wagging, but then you have a real life being that you have to take care of and train and pay for and all that good stuff. So I think, you know, definitely planning, you know, definitely do some planning. So before you go out and bring that adoptable pet home, Make sure you have all the supplies that you're going to need mm. and make sure everyone is on board mm-hmm. and make sure that someone, usually I say someone is mom, um, yeah. <laughs> usually that person, yeah, mom, has the time and, and really the energy to commit to this uh, pet project because pets, especially newborn pets and puppies, you know, they take up a lot of time and they need you. They need you during those first couple years, especially while they're being potty trained and while they're learning basic obedience commands and while they're kind of figuring out how to to be good citizens and you know become part of the family. Absolutely. So we we talk a lot about the the right time to bring the pet home. And so many people uh, get a pet. It's like as like a Christmas present, and it's like as far as a family goes, it's got to be the worst time of year to to do a pet because I mean everybody's off on a holiday schedule. Uh, the house is decorated, furniture is in a different place than it normally is, mm-hmm. uh, and then you have the pet there for two weeks, and then everything changes. People are gone for twelve hours at a stretch. Right, it's so unsettling. Uh, so is spring a good time to bring the pet in? Is it, uh, is it, or is there, is there a particular time of year that you would recommend that people bring the pet in? You know what? Anytime you can adopt a dog, I think is a good time. Uh, and you know what? Holidays are not ideal for anyone. Right, sure. <laughs> um, but you know, spring is excellent. Spring is a time, you know, we call it the puppy season because, you know, there are a lot of puppies right now and, it is a good time because the weather's starting to get better. People have already rebounded from the holidays for the most part, yeah. and they're looking at, you know, summer. And it's a great time to get outside with your pet, get them leash trained, you know, get some exercise yourself. And so I think spring is ideal, but really no bad time as long as you take the right steps. So you're right. You know, I change my furniture around when the holidays are here. But, mm-hmm. you know, I've had my dog now for so long, he doesn't even notice. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that dogs can be pretty easygoing. And, you know, moving around the furniture probably isn't going to freak them around, uh, freak them out that much. But 
going from having people around all the time to then nobody, right. that could be stressful. So you want to really kind of plan for that and maybe stagger your schedule so that doesn't happen to the pet and it doesn't freak them out. So there's the question of you have this new critter uh, that you're going to eventually need a, a walker for. We'll get to that. But uh, <laughs> uh, do you, you're training them. Uh, where do you fall on, on uh, using a crate? Oh, definitely encourage it. Encourage crating because, you know, crating is not cruel. It's kind of necessary, especially in the very beginning when you have a puppy or a younger pet or maybe a new pet who's just got real anxiety issues. Mm -hmm. And for the pet, you know, in their mind, they're thinking, well, now they're in charge of this big house or this whole unknown area that they've got to sort of manage. So when you provide that crate for them, that's really a den-like setting, mm-hmm. that, that's supposed to make them feel good. So that's not cruel and that's not a punishment, but that is a tool for you to use to help that dog ease into, you know, life with the family and also teach them potty training. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, for sure. And that's the, the one of the biggest tasks is uh, getting that potty training going. Do you got any tips for, for that? What's a good way to, when you're working with a crate and trying to get that potty training going, uh, what would you suggest a, a, a new pet owner you do? Know, it can seem like it's going to last forever, right? <laughs> I mean, I go through this every year. You know, people get a puppy and they're like, oh, they seem to get it and then they don't get it. Well, the, the key to that is really consistency. So before you put your pet in the crate, you want to make sure that that crate is the warm, peaceful place that the pet likes to go into. So, you know, make it warm and cozy. Put a pillow down in there. Put a blanket down in there. Put the dog's bed in there. Mm -hmm. Get a couple of toys in there that the pet really likes, and those are the crate toys. And then one thing that I do, which is really, really so useful, is a lot of dogs are food and treat motivated. Oh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, right? So every time you put your pet in the crate, give them a little treat. Don't give them the regular treats. Give them the treats. They love the mm. high-value treats. So now, like my dog, he's crate-trained in the morning. He just runs in the crate, and he, he just stays there for a second. He just, like, associated with going in the crate with getting the good treat. Of yeah. So that's what you want to do. So you want to have these positive associations. So make the positive association that your pet going in the in the crate is an awesome thing. And then make sure you're getting them enough enough time to get out and do the potty and take them right to their potty place. You know, don't 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 stretch it out too much. If you can get get your pet out, you know, every couple hours, that's ideal. Hmm. So, actually, I have a question. This is Matt Fox, and how are you this evening? Thank you for being on Animal Talk. Matt, (laughs) I'm happy to be here. Thanks. Thank you. Um, One of the things that um, my wife and I have always talked about, and when we've had dogs in the past, we like to use. And you had mentioned earlier about um, teaching dogs commands. So, do you like to do verbal commands when you're when you're pet sitting, or do you like to do more hand commands, or is it a combination of both? What would you consider to be a acceptable way to train a dog? Well, excellent question. You know, I do both. So, I do the hand commands with the verbal, and then eventually the dog should get away from having to see the hand command and sure. just hear the verbal. Okay. Now, I, uh, another thing that people do out here really successfully is they clicker train, especially mm-hmm. in the beginning. Yep. So they click train, and then that goes away, and then you have the hand along with the verbal, and then the, the hand goes away, and then it's just the verbal. So any kind of training you're doing, the key, again, is being consistent. Okay. Like, be consistent with the hand command, be consistent with the word. So if you're saying off and your wife comes along and says don't, you know, it's confusing. <laughs> Dog is like, so don't, you, don't you off. Have to be consistent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? 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 
<laughs> you got to speak the same language. You need yeah. the same vocabulary. You Absolutely. really, you really do. Maybe Absolutely. even make a list uh, and put it on the fridge. The list of of the vocabulary that you plan to use with yeah. the pet. Yeah, just so even That's the kids and everybody suggestion. gets into it. Yeah. It's true because otherwise the dog just thinks, "Wait, my name is either don't or off." <laughs> <laughs> but Dad, my name is. <laughs> uh, Laura, you're in L.A., correct? I'm in L.A., and I'm just right outside of the city in a little suburb near Calabasas. Laura, it, it, no one told you that nobody walks in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently nobody. Sorry, bad. I'm all about the bad puns. That's all, that's all I got in my life, really. But uh, you never get subjected to that, do you? But uh, So you're, you have a, a, a pet care company, a dog walking business, uh, your dog's best friend. Uh, what kind of services do you offer with uh, your dog's best friend? Are you strictly with uh, canines? Um, no, we offer services to anyone that has a pet that might be gone for a long time, mm. or even we do overnight. So we do huh. basic obedience dog training. We do private one-on-one dog walking. We do overnight stays in the clients' homes, and we do private in-home boarding. I and have three kids. Sitting, so and we, we watch them too. <laughs> <laughs> I have people call all the time. I call me once when I first started. She's like, "My husband, he's kind of lazy. I need him to lose some weight. If if you walked my dog, would you make sure he went along with me?" Oh, wow. Wow. Like that. No. <laughs> oh it's my! Pet sittered. <laughs> That's right. So, but being in LA, uh, there's some people with some extravagant taste. Have you encountered any uh, unique critters? Has anybody? What's the What's the most exotic or unique thing someone has asked you to take care of? Well, a llama, probably for me, a llama. Um, Feeding it lots of uh, lot. lasagna. Yeah. Careful, they spit. Eat llama. your lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> a llama, that's fantastic. So did you have to walk it or yeah. just feed it? No, just feed and water it. Right, it right. was sweet, kind of kept to itself. But I know pet sitters <laughs> oh. who take care of all sorts of exotic pets, including like monkeys mm. and a lot of, you know, different reptiles. I took care of a pot belly pig once. They oh, were kind nice. of popular for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yep. For sure. And his name was Misery. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my. I'm your biggest fan. Oh, jeez. I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> uh, Laura, the Pet Sitter's Tale, what, uh, where are people going to find the Pet Sitter's Tale? Okay, so it's on Amazon, and also there's a link for it on my site, which is thepetsitterstale.com. And if you go to my site, you can also sign up for my newsletter where I send out tips and tricks for puppy training and people want to be dog walkers or how to hire a great pet sitter. Okay, so what, uh, what else is, is that? Is that all the information that's in there? Is like picking? Is, is, what, is, are there tales that you tell, or are they tips for picking a pet sitter, or is it all of the above? What, is, what are um, they going to find well, in the book, The Pet Sitter's Tale? The, a collection of my wackiest experiencing walking dogs out here in LA. Nice. So celebrity interactions to dogs that are kind of spoiled and uh. <laughs> taking care of, you know, pets at wrangling them at weddings and painting oh. poodles nails. And, you know, when it comes to the inevitable end of a pet, like what are best practices? So there's a little bit of everything in there. There's sure. some business savvy tips if you want to grow a pet sitting business. And then there's a lot of like tips for pet owners. And it's mostly storytelling and just like I kind of mentioned, the craziest things that ever happened out here. It's kind what? of a fun book. I think I heard you say painting poodles' nails. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> what I heard. Okay, I want to make sure I heard that right. That's, right what, that's awesome. What is your favorite? <laughs> I heard that right. What, what's your favorite story from the book? What's your favorite one in there? Um, I have 
so many of my favorite stories, but you know, like the crazy things is that people are obsessed with what their pets eat. Like nutrition is a big mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And so people have chefs out here that prepare food, you know, just right for their own diets or for their specific dietary needs and according to their taste, if they're vegan, they're vegetarian, they're keto, whatever. And so that tends to extend to their pets. So, you know, I have people who are giving me, you know, precise directions on how to prepare food for their pets involving buying certain ingredients from, like, specific markets and warming cooking and, like, doing all these things for a pet that, you know, I've seen your dog eat hot dogs. So, you know, um, just mostly cooking things and just people dressing up their pets and closing down spas so pets can get paw parties and just like over the top treatment of regular animals. <laughs> is there is there a story that uh is it in the book that you're like, "Ah, oh, I should I should have put that one in there." Now that I'm thinking <laughs> about it, is what what didn't make the cut that now you're thinking about it uh, uh it, it's going to be in volume 2. Uh, well, I have a client who's kind of a famous singer and songwriter and she's on a popular a popular sort of um musical show and she's mm-hmm. my client for many years and whenever she would write a song she would try out the song by having me sing it to her dog oh. every time I <laughs> fed the dog just to see if the dog kinda liked it or would eat to it or not. So. <laughs> I like that one. I like that one. That's pretty good. <laughs> All right, so you say you have a, a couple celebrity clients. Is there anybody who has that you can tell us about? Right, client confidentiality. But uh, is there somebody you can tell us about who has a, a pet that you wouldn't expect? Right? Is there somebody that has a has a pet that that was unique, or somebody you encountered with a unique pet, a celebrity? You know, I have to say, for me, my the, one of my biggest clients was Dr. Dre, and I think oh you know he had a he had a tiny little miniature French poodle. <laughs> Love it. I wouldn't expect that. Um, but you know, I think people like would expect a pit bull or right, great right. or some some kind of you know real big guard dog. But he had a little French poodle. Uh, he's a teddy bear. <laughs> Doctor Dre's yeah, a teddy bear. Right, gangster all the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Laura. Thanks so much. That uh, website's pretty much the the title of the book, and uh, that's thepetsitterstale dot com. And uh, they can find out about you and about your pet sitting service and everything there, right? Oh yeah, definitely. It's all on the site, and and check me out on Twitter too. And of course, oh, I have Facebook and all that. I was going to say you on the, you're on the face space Facebook, and um, I'm on the Facebook. I always forget to plug Facebook. You know, <laughs> there's so many social media things oh. to attend to. I always feel like, oh, yeah. oh gosh, I should have said this or I should have said that. But yes, all that good stuff. If you're looking for me, just go to the Google. And you'll yep. find me. You're on the you're on the Instagram as well. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Laura, th- right. thanks so much for, for being with us. It's my, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, and it, it's been great to talk to you. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you have you. a great afternoon. You too. Bye, guys. All right. Bye-bye. There you go. So pet She's awesome. Adventures She's nice. in L.A., Dre's yeah. dog. And I wonder if Dre's dog was the one she was painting his nails. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> A nice pretty fuchsia. <laughs> right on. So, yeah, Dre's, Dre's dog. Gangsta. For a little French poodle. Yeah. Poodle. But awesome. we were uh, before we were talking to her. We were talking about rats. Yes, we were talking about rats. We're just to go, just to go back to her real quick. She yeah. Is prof- oh my god. She's a professional dog sitter. Pet sitter. Dog pet sitter. Pet sitter. Yes. Dog sitter. She'll 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 watch any pet. Yep. She'll watch a hamster. Yeah. She'll watch a fish. That's it. Hello, fish. Hey. They. Hello, fishy, fishy, fishy. Isn't that uh, the... fishy, 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 <laughs> fishy. Mm, fishy. Mm. 
So yeah, yeah, she was yeah. nice, like very cool. But uh, so I was, I was uh, the we, the rats took out the dodos. The rats they took are, out dodos. Yep, and they are, and I was like, wow, that's, uh, maybe, maybe not. But it's actually a problem right now in New Zealand, really, because they they had a their their went their seasons off from ours, so they had a very hot summer. Um, and there's been a tenfold explosion in, in the rat population. Um, so fertile breeding conditions have caused the hottest summer on record. Uh, and it's led to a surge of rats and mice. It, it was a record breaking long hot summer. Mm. And, uh, there's just an explosion in New Zealand's rodent population in the country's uh, urban and worst hit areas. Uh, so the, yeah, the 2017, 2018 summer. Uh, is the hottest <laughs> since records began, and uh, it created fertile breeding conditions. And uh, but they're co- they're committed. Uh, New Zealand, they have an initiative to become predator free by 2050. Yeah. Wow. They're trying to they're trying wow. to wipe out all introduced species of rats, mice, possums, uh, and stoats. I don't know if that's if it, I wonder if it's goats, but it says stoats here. Hmm. Is is a stoat a they, thing? They do understand the circle of life. Yes. Uh, but these are, these are, these are, you know, not native breeds. To New Zealand? Yeah. So they're trying to eradicate them, eradicate them eradicate. as much as, as much as possible. Huh. Uh, it's a 32 year plan, right? So if successful, it'll be the first country in the world to completely, uh, be pest free. But, uh, global warming temperatures present a twofold threat to the country's predator free. Goal, uh, cities experiencing a high number of rodents, rodents moving into previously pest-free alpine environments. Uh, so it's, it's troublesome. But the thing is, Dr. Elliot of the Department of Conservation is telling us uh, they have bird populations that are getting completely wiped out from the high number of rats. So it's, it's horrible and horrible things can happen hmm. when we start losing birds and uh, the next nesting season is not going to be pretty uh, Dr. Elliot fears. So those those uh, those rats are, are quite the problem. You know, Sounds you like get it. ships come in, and uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, so maybe they did do in the dodo, Possibly. right? And again, you, you introduce that, and you things go extinct. So, um, is it fair to the rat? Is it nice to the rats? <sighs> rats? No. I, I don't know. Are you a fan of rats? Uh, no. I don't think anybody is. Right. Especially the big ones that are in New York and oh, the sewers. Yeah. Right. Oh. right. <laughs> Oof, yeah. And yeah. if you've done Oof. any acting. Oof. Uh, uh, you dirty rat. You come in here I just wanted a reason to play again. <laughs> oh, my God. You killed my rat. Why, you dirty but That's not too bad, is it? You dirty rat. Snitch. Stool pigeon. Informer. Squealer. You dirty rat. It's funny, I hear birds in the background, too. Yeah. <laughs> They're in a pet shop. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Talking about rats and birds. That's rats shop. and birds, yeah. They were, <laughs> they were in a, a pet shop. Uh, but the dodo went extinct, and there's uh, some trouble in North Carolina. The, the wild red wolf population oh. is, uh, is teetering. Really? Teetering on the edge there in North Carolina. Is that the Asheville area or, or just mm-hmm. North Carolina in general? Don't know. We'll dive yeah. into this and find out. Let's find out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's uh, the government, the North Carolina government's worried about it. The only wild population of endangered red red wolves hit such dire numbers it's flirting with extinction in the next de- decade, according to uh, a federal review. A five-year status review released Tuesday by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, uh, the Southeast Regional Office, found uh, forty wolves 
remain in North Carolina uh, and that the entire population could be wiped out in as little as eight years. It can't, it can't recover from their losses, uh, overcoming uh, mortality. It steadily declines. Uh, there's a steady decline in the population. The colony of medium-sized wolves historically native to, to the south – uh, first introduced in the state in 1987. So it's, they've only been in the state for that long. Wow. But it's a small population. Except for um, four, zero, 40 left? Yep, 40 left. So uh, there's a captive population of about 200 wolves in zoos. So there's 200 of the red wolves uh, alive in zoos and mm. nature centers throughout the country. But the ones in the wild, they're down to 40. Wow. Uh, and they're just not there's able. Four, there's 40 left and know. 38 of them are female. So yeah, conservationists. Yeah, <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> Sorry, taking me down a taking me down a road there. It's crazy. That, uh, but we're doing we're wrecking havoc on the environment. We really are. We really we got to slow our roll. And conservationists are worried about uh, the the firearm killings of wolves too. Um, it, it's one of the. Most endangered critters on the planet right now. Wow. So there you go. Bummer. Yeah. So stop shooting the red wolves in North Carolina, please. 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 <laughs> if just, we can. Just, just stop, drop, and roll. Or just don't move. You don't need to shoot them. Because stuff's going to disappear like the dodo did. Yes. And did that. So uh, Sam and I, there's a, a new segment she's really excited about. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's called movie re- movie reviews. Nothing to do with animals. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. We can try to make it about animals. Yeah, uh, there wasn't any critters in there. I don't there they was didn't no even have a pet. There movie. wasn't uh, no. a pet. There wasn't. Uh, there was a movie called Tully, um, that just uh, is coming out right yeah. tomorrow. No, is, it comes uh, out May fourth. May fourth. Yeah. Oh, okay, still a week out. Yeah. All right, but yeah, we're not really allowed to talk about it yet. It's hard to talk about this movie. Uh, would be hard to talk about the movie without uh, a spoiler. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but put it put it at this that it's 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 an interesting story. It's a quirky story, and uh, uh, it's a. Uh, it was good. I liked yeah. it. I enjoyed yeah. Well, so, it. who are the characters, and who is who? Who's the who's the who is the the writer and the director that you're interested in? Oh, I the guy who I mean I just I just like somebody that starred in it. He's he's he didn't do anything with it. He just he just Oh, he was in just it. one of the actors? Yeah, he was just one of the actors in it. Oh. He is a filmmaker though. Okay. Yeah. And you're going to California to see Yeah, it. Mark Duplass, yep. All right. He's an indie filmmaker. Nice. Yeah. So maybe when you're out there, you can uh, do a little part-time walking with uh Laura. Yeah. And uh yeah. I should be like, "Yo." <laughs> <laughs> So, but but Tully She's Los is Los Angeles, a, uh, yeah, yeah. San Francisco. Ah, so, uh, you're gonna be in San Francisco. Yeah, Fran. it's like five hours away. Yeah, that's that's there. that's the journey. That's a long walk. Oh yeah, yes. I should walk. <laughs> <laughs> so there's uh, not only the the wolves in North Carolina are not the only endangered things. You're bubbing me out, man. I know, <laughs> I know. There's some rivers. There's some rivers that are endangered in the U.S. So if you're planning a trip this summer, uh, you may want to go see one of these endangered rivers, right? Endangered and, rivers? And go pick up some trash. <laughs> uh, so the, here's a list of the 10 most endangered rivers in the United States. Where do you think? Um, Let's see. Tell me that the Yao is The not, Nile. The Yao is not oh, on Oh, wait. There, that's it? not in. The D-Nile? What? That-, <laughs> <laughs> that was me a month and a half ago. Isn't that uh, in like Africa? Yeah. 
the the yeah y o u g h upper or lower are they on that list? No, they are not. The yow, nope. or yo, good. The yo, they are. Those are amazing rivers to white water raft on. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But there's like no famous rivers in like the United States. The Mississippi. Oh, so but the Mississippi is a tributary. I don't know my geography, and that's why I'm taking geography. I'm making a C. So not the Mississippi itself, but uh, many of its tributaries mm-hmm. are some of the most endangered rivers uh, in the United States. Hmm. Um, so it's a 33rd annual report on the rivers uh, recently released, and uh, rivers are at a crossroads. <laughs> uh, but uh, so key decisions coming soon will help rivers uh, survive or not. Hmm. Um there's a, a – a, yeah, so the list is here. The the Big Sunflower River um, has 200,000 acres of surrounding wetlands uh, is the tops on the list mm. of, of the most endangered rivers. Um, American rivers like the, the Big Sunflower's wetlands, wildlife, um, and nearby low-income communities are threatened uh, and, and, yeah, so it's just uh, – it's problems with uh, – uh, engineers and damming. So it's not all, you know, just litter. I mean, there's, uh, people are manipulating the rivers for mm. their own purposes and, uh, it's causing rivers to flood and that's helping destroy the ecology of the rivers. It's, right. it's bad. So the big sunflower river in Mississippi, uh, the threat to that one is, uh, the Army Corps pumping a pumping project mm. and it's, uh, messing up the wetlands around it. The Bristol, uh, the rivers of Bristol Bay in Alaska. Really? Um, yep. That risk is the clean water and salmon runs. Yeah, as I said, the spawning of the salmon, and yep. that's going to bug them. Yep, yep, yep. The boundary water area in Minnesota, South Kiawishi River. Uh, again, the uh, it's uh, Wishy, Kiawishi. In Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> uh, so that one is uh, the recreation and the... The recreation is being threatened on that one. Oh, the man. lower Rio Grande in Tejas. Oh wow! Yep. So the wildlife, the wildlife, there's a lot of wildlife around that one, and the habitat is at risk. Uh, in Idaho, the South Fork Salmon River is in trouble. The okay. salmon habitat is being endangered there. Idaho. Uh, more, <laughs> so more sorry. in Mississippi uh, is the uh, the habitat around the uh, River George, mm. Mississippi River George in Minnesota. Uh, another one in Ohio, in Alaska is uh, oh, the cold, yeah, the Colville River, uh, and oil and gas development are, are threatening yeah. that one. I, I lived in Alaska for a period of time when what, I was really? mu- much, much younger, much younger, and just just to hear that Alaska is on the list of endangered, twice, twice yeah, endangered uh, rivers, and that's oil, you know. So and, they're not careful with the oil, and right. it's uh, messing up the rivers, yep. and it's messing up the wildlife. Uh, Middle Fork, Vermilion River in Illinois. There's coal and ash pollution that's messing that up. Huh. And uh, I think the Vermilion River runs through Ohio as well. I could yeah. be wrong. And then another one in Wisconsin. It's a, a blue ribbon trout stream. It's the Kanicki River. It's it's not Kanicki, but I can't say what <laughs> it Kinnicky. is. Kanicki. K i n n i c k i n n i e. That's the Kanicki River. The Kanicki Icky. The Kanicki Icky. The Kanicki Icky Nicky River. Uh, <laughs> but it's a blue ribbon. Uh, it's a it's a blue ribbon tr- 
Trout Stream, and it's uh, it is also on the list. So, uh, please just uh, you could do a, a little summer tour of why don't rivers we do that? and then uh, help clean them up. We got the rouge. We got the rouge here in Detroit oh. that needs some cleaning. That's not. I've gone list. down though when we were, when we were at uh, when I was at U of M uh, in Dearborn. Uh, the Rouge is like right by How there. Long ago and was so, that? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm sorry. Before you were born, <laughs> Sam Probably. Nork, it was. It was almost before I was born. No. <laughs> <laughs> they just invented water at that time. <laughs> invented water? Yes. Um, so, Sam, it's about time. I think we we're going to give our other guest a call. I think that's where we're at right now. Um, I don't know if that's it. To do the one off the paper. Uh, there's two. To, well, not the international one. Don't do the UK one. Okay. Right, right. So it says – and it says what to do there. It says call and ask the desk and the <laughs> – I think she's at a hotel. <laughs> I think we're calling into the desk. That's awesome. Okay. So I just have to say, hey, can I have Lucy Cook's room? Please. I think. All I don't right, know. I'm calling. Let's call it. All right. I'm calling. We all learned today. I don't hear it. Oh, there it goes. Thank you for calling Hotel Kabuki, a joie de vivre oh hotel. Kabuki, if you know your party's extension, you may dial it any time during this message. Press 1 to speak to a guest. Press 2 for room reservations. Press 1. Press 3 for sales. And this is why if Sam you know the room number you wish to call for a three-digit room number, please press 7 oh and then the gosh. room number. For this a four-digit room number, ever. just press the room number. <laughs> We don't know her room number. Oh. Please hold. There we go. Okay. Yeah, let's get to a get to a live person. See, it works better when you have like a not. Thank you for calling Hotel Kabuki. This is Catherine. How may I assist you? Hi. Uh, could you direct us to Lucy Cook's room number? Lucy Cook. One moment. Thank you. Thank you. What are the specials today? <laughs> Do you think she can still hear us? No. Oh, okay. Hello? Lucy. Hi. Hey, Lucy. It's uh, Jamie from Animal Talk. Hi, Jamie. I just tried calling you and got an answer machine. Oh, so fair play. Just... So, yeah, we, uh, we thought we were going to call you. So we got, uh, we got connected there. But uh, thanks so much for uh, being on with us this afternoon. My pleasure. My pleasure. I'm, I'm excited to be part of your show. It's wonderful. So you are an award-winning filmmaker. You've written and produced several documentaries uh, for PBS and the BBC, Discovery, National Geographic, all those fun places that have to do with animals. Uh, your first book was The Little Book of Sloth. And that was a New York Times mm-hmm. bestseller. You have a you're a zoologist. You have a, a a major in zoology. Yes, yes, I do. From Oxford. From Oxford. University. And uh, you live in London, and you have a new book called "The Truth About Animals." Yes, yes, I do. Right. So, in the subtitle, there is "Stone Sloth, Lovelorn Hippos, and Other Tales from the Wild Side of Wildlife." <laughs> so, Lucy Cook, thanks for being on the show. Um, well, that's a lot. So we actually, we were just talking about Oxford and there's like, uh, cause the dodo that they have there, the dodo skull or whatever, they just ran it through a CT scan and it appears as though that dodo came to a tragic end and not, uh, a long life that was first reported. Um, I don't know that dodo. You'd have to tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was interesting. There was, yeah, there was a, just at Oxford there. They, they had a, they had a, a, a dodo 
skull, <laughs> and they thought it had died from old age, but uh, apparently it ended more tragically. But you, in your book, The Truth About Animals, you're dealing with animals that uh, we still interact with today, like sloths and lovelorn hippos. Exactly. <laughs> so tell us a little, a little bit about the book. What are people going to find in The uh, Truth About Animals? What truths are you revealing? Well, um, I, I was inspired to write the book um, because of the sloth, really, because it's uh, such a misunderstood creature. They are much maligned. The first explorers uh, in South America, the conquistadors, described the sloth as the most stupidest animal on the planet. And, um, and since then, uh, it's been saddled with a name that speaks of sin mm. and wildly misunderstood. There's a, I often get asked, I, I'm the, I founded the Sloth Appreciation Society. <laughs> Such was the, awesome. the, 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 the bad reputation of the sloth that I felt the need to uh, try and rescue it by founding a, an appreciation society. And, um, and our mission, our motto is being fast is overrated. Because that's the thing is that I think that humans are busy bipedal apes that are obsessed with moving faster than nature intended. And so we hold the idea of speed as, as a, this sort of wonderful goal we should all be chasing after and that anything that's slow or lazy is somehow redundant. But actual fact, I think we should all probably take a leaf out of the sloth's very slowly digested book because they are, <laughs> they've been around, the, the, the sloths were once a huge group, they've haunted the planet for over 60 million years in one shape or another, and they have survived and are extremely successful even today because of their slow, stealthy, sustainable existence. So perhaps the, uh, the planet might be grateful to us if we were a little bit more sloth-like and a bit less cheetah. In our aspiration, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's some good insight. Um, so this week was uh, the the it was Na National Penguin Day here in the city. There's a day for everything. Mm -hmm. yes, <laughs> there was like scrambled egg day last week. Sam and I went for scrambled eggs, and then it was National <laughs> Penguin Day. And uh, penguins, you, you you see these majestic creatures the march of the animals. You got Morgan Freeman laying it down where they're going. Oh, yeah. This massive adventure. <laughs> But uh, are penguins everything we expect them to be? Well, no. And I don't know how much <laughs> I can really tell the truth about penguins um, at, this at this hour of the day because it's rather nefarious. Oh, go, go. So um, penguins um, are one of, you know, the most anthropomorphized animals on the planet. They are the sort of the Charlie Chaplins of the animal kingdom. Yeah, yeah. And, and we the love them part. because <laughs> they, um, you know, they, because they wobble around like little toddlers. They, 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 we are compelled to love them. We, we are chemically induced to want to nurture things um, that the wobble around like toddlers um, <laughs> and penguins do that so so we, we sort of we, we we can't help ourselves but love them but the thing about penguins is is when, when actually when march the penguins came out the um the, the, and I always call it a documentary in inverted commas because it portrayed the annual uh, hormonal-driven trudge across the ice flows of the emperor mm. penguin as some kind of epic romance, which it, it really isn't. You know, they, they may look like humans, but they don't have the same emotions as us, and, and they are not monogamous for a start. These are birds that live uh. in a very brutal environment. They only have a very short window to breed. And basically, it pays to you know, copulate with, with, whoever's yeah. near, with whoever's nearest and uh, not waste a lot of time trying to find last year's partner. So the right. emperor penguins, only 15% stay, stay faithful from one season to an, the next. Um, monogamy, when it does happen, can be a very rainbow-colored affair. Um, there are a lot of um, cases of, of gay penguins in, in zoos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have got together and, and had chicks. Um, and huh? actually, the, 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 um, 
the uh, which is which is which is fantastic. Um, but uh, but in in the wild, um, the Adelie penguin, which is like your sort of classic little black and white penguin, mm-hmm. is is the only the, uh, the the female is one of the only animals in the kingdom that is known to other than ourselves um, known to exchange goods for for copulation rights. Let's oh. put it that way. So they uh, they will they will um, procreate with sad singleton Adelie penguins um, and then steal pebbles, which are hard currency for Adelie penguins, oh. and make off with a, with a pebble in their beak. And uh, if you're sort of feeling sorry for the males, um, you needn't because they, 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 will, they will basically copulate with, um, with pretty much anything that moves and a lot of things that don't. So, so penguins... <laughs> Penguins have this <laughs> reputation of being these great parents and sort of... In fact, the, 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 when March of the Penguins came out, um, the, the American Christian right wing adopted the penguin as a paragon of Christian family values. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I also like to think, you know, if, you, if you're choosing moral guidance, you know, looking to a fat, fat flightless fish-eating bird has its hazards, you know, <laughs> and maybe it's best to just sort of look inside yourself yeah. um, rather than looking at, um, <laughs> looking at a bird that lives in a brutal environment because they're, they're likely to disappoint you. Yeah. <laughs> actually, here in uh, Detroit, if you ever get the chance, the Detroit Zoo actually has the largest penguinarium in the United States. Yeah. They just redid it. It's, just, it's pretty brilliant. It is really yeah. a really but nice But apparently point. it's uh, oh, Sodom yeah, and Gomorrah they're, they're, they're in so there. They're aren't they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they? Maybe they recast the March of the Penguins and do Samuel Jackson this time instead oh of Morgan God. Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be more fitting. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, uh, oh, mercy's sakes. Um, so the, the book is called The Truth About Animals. And uh, what, what are some of the other the truths that, that we're going to learn? Is it, are, are your stories throughout the book spun? Because you're hilarious, Lucy. You're killing me. Um, are, are the stories throughout the book spun uh, like this? Because uh, it's, it's just amazing. Well, yeah. I mean, I wanted to I – lo- I love telling – I'm a big fan of the underdog. So I, lo- I like – I like to tell true stories. I don't like make-believe. I like, and I, because I think the natural world is a totally wondrous place. But we, we do have a habit of projecting ourselves onto animals and, mm-hmm. and wanting them to be something that they're not, wanting them to be more Christian moral, Christian moral, have Christian morals, or, or wanting them to be, you know, whatever, it's something that's like us. And, and, and really, I, I hope that people will read the book and they'll, appreciate animals for what they are rather than what we want them to be. And, and yes, I, I have, in order to sort of tell that story and get that message across, I've, I've chosen the most sort of surprising and humorous stories um, to, tell, to, tell that, to tell that story because I, I just, I mean, I, I love funny stories. And, and there were just some sort of fantastic, going back through history of, of, of myths that we believed about animals, um, and, and, and the fact that, you know, the truth is even more bizarre than the crazy theories that we, we thought up once. What are, what's one of the truths from the book that uh, you think might surprise us? Um, one of the truths in the book, that, well, I mean, I, people are quite surprised about penguins. Yeah, I oh, yeah, I'm but, loving um, that already. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think because there's quite a lot of sex in the book. And, yes. I, and it's difficult to talk about. <laughs> You've got <laughs> my attention, say. Lucy. Uh, <laughs> you just keep talking in a British accent about sex and we are good. <laughs> I can tell you I can, I can are, tell you about one of the funny, am I allowed to talk about testicles? Absolutely. <laughs> Without a doubt. So, 
So one of the sort of ancient myths, so they were like, I dug up all these sort of hilarious ancient myths about animals. And there was this sort of, the, the, the beasteries, the medieval, medieval beasteries, which were the original animal encyclopedias and they were written by religious scribes and and that's where our habit of moralizing about animals i was fascinated to find dates all the way back to these these medieval scriptures um and that's where a lot of our, our mythology comes from and um they they basically took a little sprinkling of fat and then mixed it up with lots of folklore and and lots of um moralizing about animals and one of the animals that they were really one they had just like this crazy rumor about which hung about and was in in circulation for something like fifteen, you know, fourteen hundred years. Was um, about the beaver. So beavers. When you think about beavers, you think, well, the first <laughs> thing you think about beavers is like they're amazing architects and they're brilliant at cutting down trees. Yeah. They didn't mention either of those things in the beasties. Instead, they <laughs> said that the beaver would gnaw off its own testicles when being chased by a hunter and and throw them at the hunter and escape attack. Um, <laughs> And that literally is in every single beastry, every single one. They say this gentle animal called the beaver gnaws off its own testicles. Um, and that's because, uh, and so I sort of traced and this rumor back. Um, and then I, I, I sort of discovered that, that um, what was hilarious is that the beaver has a pair of uh, glands that look a lot like testicles. Ah, um, and okay. that were very popular. They, they have this liquid that was used to treat hysteria in women. Yep. Um, and so, uh, and so that's the sort of where the, where the kind of mythology comes from is that they thought that these, these glands that were, that were sold, um, to treat women that, that look remarkably like a pair of testicles. And these days that the, um, the same castorium, the liquid that's, that's in these glands, believe it or not, is still in use and it's not used to treat women for hysteria anymore although arguably you could say that maybe it is but it's used as a vanilla a substitute vanilla flavoring oh my so so oh. beaver butt glands oh. might be flavoring your 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 vanilla ice cream oh wow. mercy sakes <laughs> the truth the <laughs> honest to god truth <laughs> so but people love their cute the people love their cute animals and and the only thing they love more yeah. than, than the cute animals uh, I, I i saw a mention in in your paperwork here uh are, are the cute videos Right, are these viral yeah. videos, yeah. cat videos, yeah. and uh, you know who doesn't love a good cat video? That's why I got a damn Instagram account, right? <laughs> I, I want to see these. I want to see these videos. But you say that these viral videos, that these uh, animal videos, can be bad. Yeah, I mean the thing is, is they're not always what they seem. You know? mm-hmm. So again, it's that thing that we we keep we project ourselves onto these animals, and we think that. Because the animal is smiling, for instance, that it's 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 really happy and it's having a good time. I mean, there was there was one day just the other day actually that went very viral of a sloth that had just been rescued and moved across the road, and and all around the world there was a video went viral. Oh, look at the sloth! It's waving waving at its um its rescuer to say mm-hmm. thanks. It's smiling and waving. <laughs> yeah. Well, sloths have got a fixed smile on their face, but that that way that that's not a way. I I know that that animal that's a fear response. You oh. know, so that animal is trying to defend itself. You know, but but it does. It looks like it's waving. So a lot of the time, a lot of these kind of cute videos, mm. the animal. When you understand animals, you know that 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 actually that animal is really stressed and and yeah. and it's not as cute as it looks. I mean, very famously, there was a slow loris that was being tickled under the armpits that went incredibly viral about five or six years ago. Mm. And um, 
it looked very cute. But the thing is, is that, again, that's a, that, that slow loris wasn't enjoying having its armpits tickled. <laughs> it was actually, it was a fear response. Aww. And it was trying to defend itself. And then as a result of that video, slow lorises were just being captured, taken from the wild in vast numbers. And they are endangered and sold as pets. Hmm. So, and, and they make a very inappropriate pet because they've got poisonous elbows. Slow lorises. Wow, so, all right. something I've always quite wanted in, during the sales. Uh, <laughs> quite, quite useful. All right. <laughs> Lucy Cook, you're the author of The Truth About Animals. Where can people find the book and find out more about you? Um, well, I have a website. It's um, www.lucycook, and that's cook with an E, dot TV. Um, and the book is available pretty much everywhere, I think. I mean, um, but you can find it. There'll, there'll be links on my website if, if you're struggling. But, um, yes, it's easy to find. All right. That's just uh, just uh, fun stories to, to snuggle up with and, and finding out more about the animals. Lucy Cook, The Truth About Animals. Thanks so much for taking time and uh, being with us. My pleasure. It was delightful to meet you. Thank you. Right, you have a great day. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right, bye. All right. The truth about animals. And uh, thank you. All right. So that's uh, that was wow. fun. So yeah, that the viral accent, videos. That accent was amazing. I know. Yeah. You love yeah. that. Just the cats with bread on their face. Yeah. I don't get that breading with cat. The breading of the cats. The bread, you're right. Oh, I've seen that. that. Breading. And then cucumbers that scare cats. Oh, that's my scare- God. Uh, I can't stop watching that video. I've seen it like six times. You're not supposed to do this. It actually freaks me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It just, it that's just, the cat's fear like, response. It's like, a fear response. They, yeah. just, they they don't like long, oblong bad, objects bad. laying on the floor. Oh, my God. <laughs> cats. 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 Oh. All right. Oh. You're cats. bad. You're bad, Sam. No, I'm not. Why? Bad. Oh. <laughs> you hook, line, and... <laughs> it's time for the Bad Animal Joke of the Week. All right, bad animal joke of the week. Sam, you ready for this one? Yes. All right, Sam, what kind of weights do dodo birds lift? I'm not sure. Dumbbells. (laughs) (laughs) All right. One of you sounds like an owl today. Sounds like a what? Don't say it. (laughs) One of you sounds like an owl today. Who? (laughs) Who? You walked into that one, didn't you? Yes. And then, oh, here's one in, in honor of our British accented friend. Yes. Uh, what do you do? It, this isn't, we're not family friendly. All right, plug your ears. Headphones. All right. What do you do if a bird shits on your car? Isn't that good luck? Don't ask her out again. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> See what I did with that? It's, uh, it's a British. Lady joke, so all right. Ladybird. Oh, Ladybird. Oh, mercy sakes. <laughs> oh, Ladybird. Oh, That's terrible. Yeah, we should probably stop. Yeah. All right. All the social oh, medias. Uh, well, thanks to our guest, you know, Laura, from uh, the author of uh, A Pet Sitter's Tale, and uh, Lucy Cook, author of her book the truth about animals and uh you know thank you guys for being here with me always a pleasure oh, to be here. Uh, uh, I love it. all the social medias facebook and instagram and twitter animal talk radio it's all animal talk radio the website animaltalkradio.com and uh, sam is taking good care of all those and they all look super great so uh thank you sam for taking all You're that welcome. business 
That's going to do it. We're going to get the hecky out of here. Have an exotic week. And kiss your wild thing for me. <laughs>